Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Brothers and sisters, welcome to another episode of the Khilafah Podcast brought to you here from Hizbah Tahrir Australia in its Sydney, Australia studios. We have an important conversation tonight entitled Australian Muslim or Muslim in Australia. Is it an issue of semantics or is it in fact a significant difference? Uh, this conversation is one that has become of significant prominence, especially in the post-9-11 era where the spotlight became for the first time on the Muslims' presence in the West. And there was a very concerted push since then. There has been a very concerted push since then to uh, frame the Muslim community in a particular way to generate a particular result. Uh, and this was predominantly on a political perspective. Uh, and it required the reframing of certain conceptions around Islam in order for that to become realized. What does what exactly does it mean when we draw a distinction between Australian Muslim and Muslim in Australia? Genuinely, we need to ask, is this just us splitting hairs or is there a significant difference and what are the implications if there is? Uh, Macron's comments of late uh, emphasized for us all the significance of this conversation because he said in no uncertain terms what he expected of the Muslim population in France. Similar sentiments have been expressed in this country many, many times over by both Labour and Liberal. The Howard era, immediately post 9-11, was a significant one where the rhetoric was amplified, uh, was uh, was for the, for the most part openly hostile, and the Muslims were caught uh, for a large part on, the, on their back foot. And we were peddling for a long time as a community to make sense of what was being transpired and what was being asked of us and the political ramifications of a post-9-11 world. When Labour was in power, the policies did not change. We just saw a slight change in the rhetoric. So rather than Howard, for instance, or his ministers insisting that our loyalty should first and foremost be to this country over Islam, um, and those words were uttered in no uncertain terms, uh, Labour came around and, and re-emphasised notions of tolerance and, and diversity um, and community harmony. And it's just a different form of expression which ultimately aims for the same thing, which is what? Which is Muslim Muslims to view themselves primarily through the lens of uh, the modern nation-state and its uh, institutions like the, the parliament, uh, democracy, secularism, um, and to except that our Islamic characteristics or the Islamic part of us is merely an attachment to that, is not central to our political or spiritual constructions, um, does not uh, drive our prime, primary loyalties, does not inform our conceptions of political constructs and how we should view uh, our, ourselves as part of an ummah. It wanted us to to emphasise that our identity is primarily constructed through an Australian prism, not necessarily and exclusively through an Islamic one. There are these, these sorts of ideals that were pushed upon us very forcefully uh, and in more, modern, in more recent times, um, a, lot, uh, a lot softer through changes in rhetorical expressions, largely because... Uh, from one perspective, governments uh, have largely decided that many of the objectives sought uh, through the post-9-11 
uh, rhetoric have been achieved, or at the very, very least, has sedated the Muslims um, and pushed them away from what they call political Islam, um, what they call radicalism or fundamentalism, which they defined very, very clearly for us, which was uh, believing in the supremacy of the Sharia, uh, the institution of the Khilafah, uh, the ideas of Jihad, uh, both defensive and offensive, the conception of ourselves as part of one ummah and our loyalty overriding our loyalty to the ummah overriding all other loyalties these things were spelled out very clearly and i want to emphasize again from both labor and liberal all sides of politics and the greens were part of it and other parties were other minority parties were were on board as well so in this sense um is it a conversation that needs to be had do we feel that this is an issue that uh, keeps us awake at night, that um, confronts us on on our daily lives and confronts us both on a, on, a, on a daily level and on a strategic level? Or is it in fact something we don't really think about as Muslims in this country? And in all honesty, it's an important conversation to be had. It's an important question that we need to ask ourselves because for a large part, we've got to be honest. For a large section of the community, it's not a question. It really is not a question. And it's merely semantic. Um, and there is no problem with the expression of an Australian Muslim um, putting Australia before Muslim. Um, and for a large part, that's because there's a certain conceptualization of Islam that doesn't see that contradiction. And you can only view the world in that way and, and see no contradiction if your view of Islam is primarily individualized, um, is overtly apolitical, or if you are to entertain political activism it's built on a secular basis within the confines of the modern nation state and ultimately works within the framework of what's already here and of course you're not going to see a contradiction and you're not going to see a conflict between them uh, but what if and this is the big if what if islam in fact does problematize the very notion of putting australia before muslim what if in fact islam does denote a particular political construct that challenges the modern nation state the model of the the model of the modern nation state what if islam does in fact challenge the supremacy of secular law derived through parliamentary democracy what if islam does in fact problematize that and asks us to confront it what if there are sets of loyalties that islam demands to override all other loyalties these are important questions and if we were to view Islam in this way, of course, we would immediately see the problem we put in the Australian before the Muslim. But that's the point. The fact that a large number of us don't see a problem in that tells us that there is a problem with how we view our Islam. That if we think on the, on the simplest level that Islam is all about just being a good person, being honest, being kind, being charitable to your neighbours, doing what you can to improve the condition of the world, starting with what's in your immediate environment. Um, you know, study hard, get a good job, uh, get married, have kids, support your family, do well by your, your spouses and your children and your extended family, and, and, genuinely, and generally just be a positive, offer a positive contribution to this country through your work, through your efforts, through your moral frameworks. Uh, be kind, be honest, be good, be sincere. Um, with that attitude of Islam, with that framing of Islam, there will not necessarily be a problem. And in fact, the government has gone out of its way and has always gone out of its way 
and again, I need to stress both sides of politics, all sides of politics, um, have actively supported those very efforts, have offered us, uh, offered the community finance, funding, um, political access to decision makers, um, participation in decision making processes, um, the granting of political patronage, whether it's to do with organisations or leadership or access to individuals with power, um, or being invited into established political frameworks. Um, all of this has been on offer in significant uh, quantities of significant magnitude because it's a particular expression of Islam um, that not only does the government not have a problem with, but in fact actively encourages because it only reinforces the status quo and it doesn't challenge it. Now, it's one thing challenging particular laws, for instance, but it's another thing challenging the basis upon which laws are constructed. And the former Australian, you know, Australia would not have a problem with. The latter um, is, is challenged quite violently, ferociously, as we saw post 9-11, as instances of radicalism or, or, or terrorism or apologism for terrorism, etc. So in this sense, if our conception of Islam, as, as uh, our conception of ourselves as Muslims is that we just be good people, um, raising good families on the basis of good morals, then yeah, there is no question. There is no problem with being Australian and Muslim. But if our framing of Islam exceeds that, and we understand through the text, the Quran and the Sunnah, that in fact, you know what? Islam asks much more of us, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala demands more of us as Muslims. And I think this is really the crux of the conversation. It's not an issue of whether you put one before the other. It's how you conceptualize both. Um, and how you conceptualize your Islam ultimately will inform how you view both your, your contribution to this country um, and, your, and how you view yourself as an Australian and how you view yourself as a Muslim and how you view your role as a role of Islam in contributing to your existence here in this country and more broadly outside of it. So in this sense, you read verses in the Quran, for instance, that where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, um, Right, that this book, this Quran, Islam was revealed to you for what purpose? So that you may drag humanity away from the darkness and into the light. And there are countless references like this. And then you stop and think, if this is the basic purpose of Islam, the basic purpose of revelation, that it must insist upon radical change such that what Islam regards as darkness must be removed and it must be replaced by what Islam regards as light. Right? Iman and kufr, halal and haram, munkar and ma'roof, for instance. Those particular framings of things. And if that's the case, immediately realize as a Muslim that, okay, we've got a job to do now. That it's not the role of a Muslim to merely reinforce the status quo. Because by Islam's standard, there is munkar everywhere. There is darkness everywhere. Everywhere where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's laws are not applied, everywhere Islam is not implemented, is darkness. And that's a question of faith for us as Muslims. We cannot envisage goodness um, or guidance 
or imagine something to be pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if it's not built on Islam and if it's not done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as a matter of faith, as a matter of aqidah, we have that, that clear conception about good and bad, right and wrong. And so in this sense, there is no way we can read verses like that where our primary job is to take humanity from darkness into light through our Islam and think from that and conclude from that that somehow we can establish a model of Islam where we are not only not challenge the status quo but actively reinforce it. That doesn't sit well with those verses. It directly contradicts it. No way can we read verses like that and think that uh, our role as Muslims is to exist on the margins of society as if we have no contribution to make to how societies are built and formed and changed and how activism proceeds. As if we are just followers and not leaders by virtue of our Islam. There's no way we can do that. There is no way we can read verses like that and countless other verses similar to it and, and, and conclude from that that in fact, you know what, we don't have a problem with darkness. And that at the you know, if if we don't actively reinforce it, then at bare minimum we don't challenge it. Or we pretend it's not our problem and we focus our energy somewhere else. Those conclusions cannot be born when you read verses like that. Um when Allah subhanahu describes the mission of the Prophet and subsequently our mission. Um, where he subhanahu wa ta'ala says huwa alladhi arsala rasuluhu bil huda wa din al haqq liyudhhiruhu ala din kullihi that it is he allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that sent the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for what purpose you think islam was just given to us the prophet was just sent to us so that we can just continue according to what's in front of us the existence of a prophet the arrival of a prophet tells us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a problem with what's in front of us. Otherwise, why would he subhanahu wa ta'ala send the Prophet? That's the first point we should understand. But this matter is spelled out to us very, very clearly. With guidance and the deen of truth. For what purpose? Why was the Prophet sent to us? Why is Islam, why is the Quran in our hands today? Why is the example of the Prophet his sunnah with us today? Why was it revealed? Why was it brought as an example for us? So that it may dominate over all other ways of life. And again, you can't read verses like that and conclude that Islam should be apolitical. Or you know what? We should try our every effort to make Islam mold according to what's in front of us. No, Islam should be on top. Everything else should be under it. The laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must be the most the most highest. We can't accept someone rivaling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thinking that they are in a better position to legislate, to define for us what's right and wrong, good and bad, to develop for us a moral framework, to develop for us institutions that um, that guide our society, thinking that they could do a, this job better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can we accept that as Muslims? No way we can. And there is no way we can conclude when reading verses like that, that somehow Islam is apolitical, that somehow Islam you know, is secular and fits very comfortably within secular frameworks. There's no way we can do that. Otherwise, what's the point of the verse? 
it came down, it was revealed for a purpose. That purpose is that so it may dominate over all other ways of life. And that means Allah subhanahu is telling us that there will inevitably be um, uh, conflict between Iman and Kufur, between the forces of Iman and the forces of Kufur, and have been since day one, and will be until the day of judgment. And unless we realize that our attachment to Islam demands that we take a side and actively champion it, and put every effort in order to realize it, then we really have to question our understanding of Islam. That if we believe that it's okay for us just to exist as, as good, kind Muslims and think that Allah subhanahu wa does not demand from us political change or demand from us that we confront what is of munkar in front of us or what is built on kufr in front of us, then how can we possibly arrive at this understanding? Which verses do we rely on where we find another, uh, a statement similar to something like Islam was revealed to you so that you may just be good and ignore all that is evil in the world and just concentrate on yourself. Where in the Qur'an do you find a reference like that? Where in the Qur'an do you find a reference that uh, Muslims should be okay with a system built on kufr? And that's secularism and that's democracy. Where in the Quran do you find, where in the life of the Prophet do you find he affirming, legitimizing, reinforcing kufr? Where do you find that? And in this sense, we understand, we have to understand, we have to conclude that you know what? Islam actually, one, has an entirely unique uh, political setup, um, contains within it the various systems of life that is needed in order to function, the politics, the economics, the education, the judiciary, etc. And sure, that's an entirely different conversation, but it needs to be had. And really, that's the crux of the conversation, because if we don't view our Islam in this way, if all we've ever been taught, Islam is about being good, Islam is about being moral, Islam is about being honest, Islam is about being kind, Islam is about fulfilling just your individual fara'id, your individual obligations, then of course... Why would we have a problem? But if we understand our Islam demands much more of that, uh, demands much more of us, because Islam represents so much more, then immediately we see the, the nexus of the problem. And it's no surprise that you get statements from Macron and his ministers where they spell out unequivocally where, uh, that they expect the Muslims' primary loyalties to be the law, to, to the laws of the state, not the laws of the Shara. And there's nothing uniquely French about that. Similar statements have been made past and present in America, other European countries, in this very country, in this very country, Australia. And so in this way, we think, just think for a moment, what sort of expression of Islam is not only just tolerated in this country, but is actively encouraged, supported, funded, legitimized, offered patronage. It's the apolitical, secular, uh, built around the the needs of the modern nation state, so it's limited to places. Let's put it another way: it prioritizes Australia's national interests. Um, it frames things according to uh, you know Australian demands, um, and and we call this so casually, um, you know, a contextualized Islam or an Australian Islam or Australian Muslims, and we hear those expressions constantly without realizing their political implications. So undoubtedly, in this sense, if that is what is being asked of us, if those are the forms of Islam that are being supported, 
And the opposite of that is being confronted. Um, and no one should have a short memory. What the community experienced post 9-11 will live with it forever and will be recorded on the scale, will be recorded you know, on the records with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Muslims will never ever forget what they experienced, what they continue to experience just in different form. How many brothers and sisters languish in jail? How many brothers and sisters' homes have been raided? How many uh, in uh, centers, Islamic centers, have been raided or closed or forcibly changed? Uh, how many Islamic schools um, were forced to change their leadership and everything about it um, and were given no choice in the matter? Um, broadly, as a community, how much pressure was placed upon us to reframe our understanding of Islam? And we will experience that violently, very violently. And we should have, you know, we, we should not at any point in our life um, uh, forget this fact that we forget the daily headlines, that we forget the daily raids, that we forget the, the mass hysteria that was created in response. But in response to what ultimately was an expression of Islam which contradicted secular democratic paradigms. That's it. And it was only because the Muslims believed in that. It's not that we're all picking up guns. It's not that we're all planning, you know, to bomb buildings. It's, it was never, it was never uh, an argument rooted in countering terrorism, despite the rhetoric. Um, just as it was never an argument um, rooted in countering extremism, or radicalism, or fundamentalism, or whatever other label. Um, Islamism came after that, and they're very creative in their labels, but ultimately, as Macron stated, their issue is uh, fundamentally with Islam and Islam alone. And the gloves came off. And from time to time, for, for many reasons, they are forced to express themselves openly and honestly. And they said unequivocally, their problems with Islam, it's Islam in crisis. It's not extremist Islam, it's not fundamentalist Islam, it's Islam itself. And, uh, you know, even though these governments in this country use different words at different times, what they refer to is exactly the same thing. There is nothing, um, there is nothing foreign to Islam about the, the model of Khilafah or the idea of our loyalty being primarily to the Shara or um, demanding the implementation of the Shara or viewing ourselves uh, primarily as one ummah and the loyalty to the ummah overriding all other loyalties. What's so inherently foreign to Islam about that? That's so inherent. It's classical Islamic orthodoxy, uh, but that's what they had a problem with and that's what they continue to have a problem with. So when we come around, if you go full circle and say, well, now we are Australian Muslim or we want an Australian Islam, we want a localized Islam or a contextualized Islam, you've got to realize what you're asking for is a bastardization of Islam along secular and democratic lines. You're accepting as a consequence of that to alter your worldview as a Muslim, to not regard yourself primarily as a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not as part of one ummah, primarily as part of one ummah before everything else, um, the, not to primarily regard the shara as the supreme law, above all other laws, um, and it, dema it alone demanding your loyalty, and it alone being fit to serve humanity, both Muslim and non-Muslim, you have to disregard all of that. And this plays out very clearly when we see in instances of conflict, that if we, if we, um, 
if we bring a very blunt example, for instance, we say we could say, look, there are Australian warships in the Mediterranean right now and have been for a very long time, or historically, Australia's contribution to World War I, um, its actions, its crimes in Gallipoli, um, its occupation of Palestine, um, its contribution to the breaking up of the Uthman Khilafah. Um, as Australian Muslims... We cannot have a problem with that because it was primarily in Australia's interests. As Muslims, this would be abhorrent to us and should be abhorrent to us. This was an attack on the deen, attack on Islam, attack on the institution of the Khilafah. This was part of a, a crusader war that had been raging for centuries that just took a different form that ultimately its aim was to fight Islam and Muslims. We need to be clear about that. Now, what position do we take as Muslims in this country in respect of that? When Anzac celebrations come around every year, how do we feel? How do we respond? Um, many other instances, Remembrance Day, um, simple days like Australia Day, simple expressions of Australian patriotism. Is it simply about, you know, g'day mate, uh, let's, let's just come together for a barbie or something like that? Are we that naive to think that that's, that's all that Australia is asking of us? That the only difference is whether the lamb on the barbie is halal or non-halal. And that if we applied halal meat to that barbie, that all of a sudden we can be as Australian as everyone else. Or are they insistent on more than that? And the answer should be unequivocally clear. So on, in this, on this point, this business about Muslim and Australian, or Australian and Muslim, is a very important one. This distinction is so fundamentally critical because what is at stake here is your worldview. Is the politics that's derived as a consequence of that and the loyalties that are demanded because of that. As a Muslim in this country, we have the same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the same Lord, um, the same priorities as a Muslim. There is not a Qur'an that was revealed to the Muslims in the East and the Muslims in the West. There's only one Qur'an. There is not a set of obligations that apply to Muslims in the East but not the Muslims in the West, vice versa. There is not the, a prophet that was sent to Muslims in the East and a prophet that was sent to, to Muslims in the West. There was only, there's only one Allah. There was only one prophet sent to all of us, to all of humanity, East, West, North and South. And there is only one book. And that book says that the purpose of Islam, that its purpose is that it may prevail over all other ways of life. You cannot read verses like that and conclude that somehow, you know what, we can craft a little place for us in this modern nation state and be good little Australian citizens and offer what is Australia offer what Australia is demanding of us. That can't be us. That's not the, what the verse is asking of you as Muslims. And inevitably we have to conclude there is a very important um, you know, duty for us as Muslims to ensure that the Muslim is put before every other label and not the opposite. We're not Australian Muslim, we're not British Muslims, we're not American Muslims, we're not Canadian Muslims, we're not Lebanese Muslims, we're not, 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 and the list goes on. Just as we are not moderate Muslim or extreme Muslim, there's only Islam. Just as we are not liberal Muslims, or socialist Muslims. We are Muslims by virtue of our Islam, and Islam is one. 
this issue needs to be so fundamentally clear in the minds of the Muslims such that we protect our worldview. That, yeah, look, there's no pretending that we are on a relative basis, you know, almost entirely dispossessed of power. And it may seem that this is just an academic conversation, that this is just theoretical. Look, it might be today, even though that's not true, but let's accept for argument's sake it is. But the world doesn't stay the same forever. Power is redistributed. The Prophet Allah subhanahu wa takes it from one and gives it to another. And that's been the sunnah of life forever. For time immemorial. And if we allow ourselves to, to lose our Islamic framing of things, how is it possible for us in future to reassert ourselves and to, and, and to replace ourselves or put ourselves in a position that Islam itself demands? Not as followers of humanity, but leaders of humanity. Not just as minorities in the West, but as part of a majority of an ummah that's leading the rest of humanity. How can we sever our relationship in, 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 in all its meaningful form to the rest of the ummah, to the body of the ummah? How can we do that? We are one ummah, one body. And we know the hadith of the Prophet We know that. We learn that since we're children and one part of it suffers, the rest of us suffer with it. Should feel its burdens. That's the loyalty. That's the framing of a Muslim. That a Muslim, wherever he is, is my brother. And that works in all directions. That the problem of a Muslim anyway is my problem, and vice versa. That the oppression Muslims face in one place is the oppression I face, and there is no distinction. Sure, for argument's sake, that how we respond or what we can do as a response may be restricted according to where we are, time, place, circumstance. That's a given. But overall, as a number, we need to be responding as one. We just play a particular contribution in regards to that. But if we define ourselves primarily as Australian, as British, as American, as whatever, as Lebanese, as Syrian, um, and the list is infinite, um, we have 50 or whatever countries today in the Muslim world, and tomorrow it'll be 16, and the day after that will be 70. How many ways can we possibly define ourselves? How many ways can we fragment ourselves? And then there truly is no limit to that. The only constant in all of this is the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our attachment to Him, our, sir, our subservience to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala, followed on the method of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Australian Muslim is not an expression we need to utter. We can utter. We should not take it lightly. We should realize the political implications of such an expression, how it bastardizes our Islam, how it completely divorces us as Muslims from the political activism that Islam demands, the role and purpose of a Muslim in this world. We're not here to be model minority citizens. Where did we get this conception? You're not going to find it in the Quran. You're not going to find it in the example of any prophet that came at any time. And so in this sense, we need to be clear about our Islamic objectives. We need to be clear about Islamic priorities and ensure wherever we are, the Muslim comes before anything else. And that means our loyalties to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the shara, the prophet, the Quran, his sunnah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And on that basis, we will engage with the world in this country and outside of it. We will seek to guide the people in this country and outside of it. We will ask for the best, what is best for these people in this country and outside of it. What is best for humanity. This is not a recipe for chaos, uh, disaster, conflict. 
No, as Muslims, the irony is if we attach ourselves to the deen first and foremost, we will be elevated in our conduct. We will be honest in our, in our, in our interactions. We will be sincere in what we demand of the people and what we want from the people. We will not be secular and democratic where everything's built on pragmatism. We will lie still cheap. We will give and take. We will compromise our own values. Um, that's not how we will function as Muslims if we attach ourselves to the deen. And so in this sense, ensuring that the Muslim comes before the Australian, before it comes before any other descriptor, is an absolute necessity and an absolute blessing for us and for everyone we engage with. And we need to be clear about that and ensure that we are confident in that expression and act upon its implications. for tuning into another session um, from me from now until next week. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.